for the News and Observer. I'm Dawn Bond, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, May 15th, 2023. I'm here today with State Senator Mary Wills Bodie. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Senator Bodie is a Democrat representing Granville and Northern Wake County. She's a freshman lawmaker and an attorney and former director of North Carolinians for redistricting reform. So before we talk about you, let's talk about the huge thing that's coming up or has been um, uh, dominating the the news cycle, the General Assembly the past couple of weeks, and that's Senate Bill 20, the abortion restrictions bill. As we record this on Friday, if you all are listening or watching on Monday, Cooper, um, you know, 99.9% chance <laughs> vetoed the, the budget. I think you can say 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe it rained and he did another day or something. Um, out in a rally on Bicentennial Plaza on Saturday. I've been to a lot of uh, bill signings. I'm sure you have too, and it's usually not not a rally, um, but this is a really big issue. So uh, let's talk uh, back um, about a week or two ago when the Senate debate happened. The House debate lasted hours, or the session lasted hours. The debate maybe only lasted a little over an hour in the House because um, it went on all day, and the Senate it started in the morning. There was a, a lunch break, and then and then debate for hours. And the entire Democratic caucus talked. So we in the press corners, we were thinking, okay, who's gonna talk? And in the House, I noticed both Republicans and Democrats. It was all the women. And then um, House Minority Leader Rees, which is his role to talk. And then in the Senate, I wondered if it was going to be the same thing. Um, and one thing I noticed is that. A lot of debate in the General Assembly is not dominated by women. So I thought that was a striking change. And then I realized, we all realized that the entire Democratic caucus, which is mo- mostly women anyway, um, were, were going to debate. So was that something that you all discussed in caucus before? Did you decide, well, I definitely want to talk about this. Should we all talk about it? How did that come together before? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that this bill was a very rushed process, did not go through the typical um, discussion, debate, deliberation process that we typically see in the General Assembly and, of course, would want to see for an issue as important as this one. And so, you know, I, of course, can't speak for the other members of my caucus, but this this is a big deal um, for North Carolina. It's very important to our constituents. It's important to our state. And so, I think we all felt um, very strongly about having an opportunity to ask questions, speak on the bill, debate the bill, um, because we hadn't been afforded that opportunity previously in in the typical um, process that usually happens with legislation. Do you think um, the Rules Committee was really the only opportunity for kind of crosstalk and as um, people who yeah, listening to the podcast, you're probably familiar with how the state legislature works. And most of a lot of debate is in committees and that's drawn out and bills, you know, might be tweaked or changed some in committee. But that wasn't the case with this. Right? Sure. Because it was um, a committee substitute, um, it was not um, amendable. So we did, you know, my colleagues did leverage the opportunity to speak in rules committee, but um, that happened 
very quickly after the bill was introduced, and we actually had the text of the bill, knew what was in the bill. Um, and so for those of us who aren't on rules, um, you know, the, the floor debate was an opportunity to really speak to and ask those questions um, that we hadn't been able to address in rules. What did you think of how uh, Senate Leader Berger handled that? Yeah. I know there was some discussion ahead of time um, that he had with Blue about how it would go, and then maybe during the recess, too, I think. Sure. So, you know, I think we were all, um, you know, we all wanted to have an opportunity to speak, um, and we were given that opportunity. And I think that was really important, not just for our caucus, um, but for the Senate as a body. Um, so that um, that was some, something um, that I think you know, the Senate leadership, um, you know, we were all very, very happy with having a chance to speak to the bill. I think the question was whether we would have 30 minutes to speak or 10 minutes to speak, which is a procedural um, a procedural rule. Since we were speaking on a motion, we were only given 10 minutes to speak as opposed to on the floor when you speak on a bill, you get um, 30 minutes to speak. So it was kind of trying to my understanding was trying to figure out which one was the appropriate time period for the procedural aspect um, of what was transpiring. I think in the rules in the, the House, it was 15 minutes, but not every, that would have been a really, really long session if everybody in the House had talked for 15 minutes. <laughs> Do you think that- We would still be in session, I think. <laughs> Do you, uh, I think uh, Speaker Moore may have made that joke too. Oh, <laughs> well, it's true. You know. <laughs> Um, but that was like 11 o'clock that night, I guess, because the, you know, the way it went down in the house, uh, was different. So we're looking at, if people are listening to this on Monday, the vote's going to come up pretty soon. Um, send the way the rules work, Senate rules chair, Bill Rabin will notify Senate, uh, the, the minority leader, Senator Blue, um, 24 hours that they'll call the vote. So I noticed that, like I said, as we're recording this on Friday, the House and Senate calendars already came out on Thursday, and I'm like, well, it's going to be a little bit different than that. But the calendar itself says veto messages from the governor, so that's uh, what they'll go with. So, how do you um, how do you expect things to play out this week when that when that vote happens? Do you really think anything will change as a result of uh, pressure from the governor on some Republicans? You know, I don't know. I I think that we are. Um, this is very unprecedented. Um, this is all happening very quickly in real time in a very expedited fashion. Um, and, you know, time will tell. Um, and, you know, I certainly think that all eyes are on every elected official um, and, you know, making sure that people who made campaign promises to their constituencies um, really need to honor those promises. Um as a newly elected official, I can say that the relationship an elected official has with their constituency is a very sacred bond. Um, and it's based on, um, you know, the understanding of what you pledge to do um, when when the people sent you down to Jones Street to do that job. Um, and so, you know, we have seen over the course of the last week or so um, pressure being put on folks who made promises to their constituencies, and we'll see what will happen um, in the coming days. The Senate's a little bit different than the House, which, of course, with Representative Trisha Cotham changing parties, um, 
and the Senate has had their exact supermajority since since the start. So what's it been like for you as a as a freshman coming into that with like a, a just barely supermajority, of course, obviously a, a majority too, and being part of the minority party starting Sure. So I don't have a lot to compare it to. <laughs> um, but I think that I do think that the Senate, um, you know, I do think that regardless of super minority, super majority, I think the Senate does really try to be bipartisan in nature. Um, I think that leadership cares deeply about that, um, making sure that um, both Republicans and Democrats um, weigh in on issues um, and bring their expertise to the table. Um, I think last week was just an example of an issue um, that we don't agree on. Um, and there are lots of varying opinions and, and a lot of passion. And so that certainly um, has obviously gotten a lot of time, attention, as it should. Um, but I do think in, in the Senate, we, we do try and work across the aisle and really foster those relationships. Um, and I, you know, I imagine it's in part because there are just fewer of us than there are in the House. Um, so you can really develop um, those relationships um, and um, get to know where folks' expertise and, um, and interests lie. Well, speaking of across the aisle, um, let's talk about your Senate seat, like your actual seat. Why do you sit there? My Senate seat, Senate seat 18, um, so why I ran for office, I guess, the question. Yeah, excellent question. Um, so when the maps were being drawn um, back late in, I guess, 2021, um, I was approached about running for this brand new, open, highly competitive Senate seat. Um, I'm a Wake County native, um, live in Granville County. And, you know, I thought long and hard about what that would be like and what serving the people of um, community I care deeply about. Um, this is a fascinating district. It's the only urban, suburban, and rural Senate seat. I say that all the time. It's the best Senate district in North Carolina. Third Republican, third Democrat, third unaffiliated. Um, and I was just, you know, I was really eager to earn a seat at the table where decisions were being made um, about a community I care deeply about. This is an area that is quickly changing, a lot of growth, um, a lot of opportunities, a lot of challenges. Um, and I just felt like I was the best candidate um, to to be able to meet all those needs and really give this Senate district um, the time and attention that it deserved um, and advocate on behalf of Senate District 18 in the General Assembly. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about um, who else in your family has, has, has been in the Senate and in government, and then our picks for headliner of the week. And uh, I'm going to ask the senator what she likes to eat in the legislative building cafeteria <laughs> or Most maybe the tiny diner. So we'll be yeah. right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer State Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with State Senator Mary Wills Bodie. Mary Wills is your first name, so if anyone was wondering about that, it's not <laughs> uh, it's not two last names. So uh, before the break, we were talking about your Senate seat and your um, both of both sides of your family are like multiple uh, relatives have worked in government and politics. So if people don't already know, um, tell us, tell us 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a political household. Um, my mom worked for Governor Hunt for many years. She helped um, start Smart Start in North Carolina and was DHHS secretary, um, advocated for a long time for juvenile justice as well. Um, and my dad has, my parents actually met on a political campaign um, many, many years ago. And um, my dad has been in and around politics, managing campaigns, um, and then um, going into government affairs. And so politics and public service was just part of um, my life growing up. Um, but Senate District 18, and um, more specifically representing Granville County and the North Carolina State Senate, um, my grandfather, Wills Hancock, um, for who I'm named, um, represented Granville County and the North Carolina State Senate. Um, and his father, Franklin Wills Hancock, represented um, Granville County in the North Carolina State Senate as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that um, lineage of people who have stepped up to serve um, and um, was was very glad that I got to sit in my my seat, Senate seat 31 on on the floor um, is my grandfather was my grandfather's seat as well. So I think about that a lot um, when I'm in there. So did did that make you um, more inclined or less inclined to run coming from a family yeah. in politics? Do you remember changing your mind maybe as a kid thinking, oh, I want to get into this? No, I definitely don't. Or how did that come about? Did they encourage you, discourage you? Yeah. So I think, you know, my parents have always encouraged me to, you know, not sit on the sidelines. Really, when there is an opportunity that presents itself to stand up and advocate for something you believe in, they have encouraged me to do that. Um, so this was just part of that. Um, certainly had many conversations with my family um, before I decided to run. Um, also for me, it just, the timing worked out really well. Um, I'm single, I don't have any kids. Um, it's a lot to ask of a family um, to, to you know, step into this current political arena. So it just felt like the right time for me um, to take this on and was super grateful that, you know, my parents were, were right there with me alongside me and my brothers as well. Um, and they've just been they've just been tremendous mentors and supporters and um you know they've they've seen so much i think that's the thing we were talking about earlier you know past sessions or um you know when you've been around it for as long as they have they've just they've seen so much and they have so much wisdom to impart um about the political landscape is there a downside that they gave you advice about you know i think that um they were, you know, they just, I think they've just been really excited. Um, you know, I'm sure parents worry about their children when they are, um, you know, stepping into the arena, especially as hostile a political environment that we are in right now. Um, but I had their full blessing. Um, and, you know, I know that they're right, right beside me every step of the way. So, um, and I also think politics has changed a little bit since, since they were, um, in their heyday with social media um, in particular. And, you know, I think just really staying grounded in why you're doing what you're doing and the service is, um, you know, all the other kind of concerns just fall by the wayside. Well, we were talking a little bit about maps and your background mm -hmm. and your redistricting. <laughs> um, 
what um, what do you think is coming up this year with, with redistricting? And what what obviously you know what are your opinions on it? Oh man, well um, my crystal ball is out of order for today, so I don't um, I don't have much visibility. Um, you know, I I of course um, advocated for a couple years and and still am an advocate of, but not in a formal role for bipartisan redistricting reform. Um, I think that when we know what the rules of the game are and there's transparency, it yields a better um, a better outcome. And so, you know, with the Supreme Court in North Carolina's decision um, that issues of partisan gerrymandering, they're non-justiciable, um, you know, that really puts the burden on the legislature to, to navigate this issue and decide what our rules are going to be and how we are going to follow them. And so I think that's really important because this is an issue that the people of North Carolina care deeply about. And, you know, I think has been different than maybe a decade or two ago when folks weren't talking about um, partisan gerrymandering. Um, but people are very much aware of what is going on. And this this idea of fairness and um, politicians picking their voters instead of voters picking their politicians um, is is very dangerous to the democratic process. Do you think your district will change? Um, you know, I think my district may change some. Um, under the North Carolina Constitution, we have a whole county provision um, and a county cluster. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on what's transpiring, and um, you know, we'll time will certainly tell. So let's. Um change gears here and talk about food <laughs> we're recording this in your office in the legislative office building so there's the lob snack bar there's um the legislative building cafeteria and snack bar <laughs> and the signy diner um what's your go-to for lunch here um or do you do you eat lunch here? yeah i mean i love this question um could talk about food all day long um i do try and go down to the cafeteria um I am very boring. I try and get a salad and eat really healthy. Um, but when that doesn't happen, I'm also, I love, I'm a big snacker. So I will often go to Sine Dine and, and grab all kinds of snacks and take them into caucus with me and kind of have a whole array of snacks on the table. Um, always have a Diet Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, and then in my office, we have a ton of snacks. And so people love to stop by and, um, grab a snack or grab a coffee and that's great too so right so get your snacks at the center <laughs> yeah you can you come anyone we're, is always welcome um we we have an array of snacks and and are happy to um happy to feed whoever wants to come i don't want anyone to get hangry right <laughs> this is really important that everyone stays well fed um, Not in caucus or, or before a long Senate debate, which which this week ahead will um, will be long and drawn out. And we didn't even talk about the budget yet. So just a <laughs> quick plug for the budget is a huge thing. Um, obviously, coming the Senate budget is expected this week, and it's all it's billions of dollars of taxpayer money. So pay attention to that. Uh, of course, I will, and hopefully you will. <laughs> I, I certainly will, and I appreciate the plug. It is important. It is our, you know, our taxpayer dollars um, being and how they're going to be invested. So it's it's a very important 
um, process and um, looking forward to to seeing the Senate budget as well. All right, drink your coffee now, everybody. Um, all right, so let's go to our picks for headliner of the week, which, um, yeah, I think my headliner next week will be coffee and all the coffee I'm anticipating drinking. So who or what is your headliner of the week? Yeah, so my headliner of the week um, was the appointment and installation of the new um, state board of elections, um, given that voter ID will be implemented for the 2023 elections. Um, you know, this this group of this group of folks has has a very short runway um, to implement um, a very, very important piece of the um, elections process. And so I think um, like early vote starts for the Charlotte elections, I think, on August 12th. So we're talking about a couple of months before that all needs to be um, buttoned up and ready to go. And so um, they certainly have their work cut out for them. All right. My headliner, if y'all are listening to this Monday, gearing up for the week, I hope everyone had a good weekend. Mine is Mother's Day. Um, I'm a mother of a 14-year-old son, so shout out, Glenn, and I'll uh, shout out my own mother, uh, Betty Baumgartner, and all the mothers out there and people who mother also. Um, I hope that you had a, a good weekend. And for those of you in legislative land um drink your coffee because we're all gonna need it so yeah and rest up that's all right all right i'm don bond here with uh senator Bodie. thanks for thanks for being on for the news and observer we'll talk to you next time thanks for having me For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.